0: 11. So we're finishing up this paragraph where we really had a series of couplets. And typically with a a couplet, you know, it's typically an if-then, not always. uh, But uh, in this series, it's been mostly Uh, if-thens. If you do the following in the first part, then you will get the results that are in the second part. So somebody, go ahead and just read us 11 and 12. My son. (laughs)
1: <laughs> My son, do not despise chasing of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Okay.
0: So, what are we supposed to do from the first part? What's the expectation that Solomon is laying out there that, that we need to be partaking in? not
1: despise correction.
0: Okay, so, so what does that mean? Lord's going to correct us. Okay, so first off, we have to understand because we are sinners, sinners God's going to correct us. All right? He's going to be in correction. So he's going to bring discipline. Uh, he's going to bring um, reproof, different words there for it. But it's because we're sinning, he's going to correct us on that. So we need to know that that <coughs> is going to come. What is our attitude to be? Not to be positive. 10.
2: To be bitter about it, don't be bitter.
0: Mm. We
1: need to be, we need to to surrender. We need to surrender to it, be humble to it. Nate, what was your word? Uh, (coughs) the meekness towards the correction and the acceptance of the correction is how we then are not corrected,
2: we don't continually need that correction. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, yeah. Because if we if we improve and we're more price-like in those areas, that's the direction God wants us to go. That's where success is. Mike, i going just say we need to learn how to identify it first, right? That was that was my next question. So let's go with that. How do we understand that we're getting disciplined from God? We're getting reproof from God. how How can that look? Hmm. There you go. And you weren't even in the 8.30 service. And you, you're already, you're ready for 10.45. Yes. Remember that word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep,
2: that, you keep that in your back pocket. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you, 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 yeah. so, so when we have conviction, because the Holy Spirit is bringing that conviction on us, that is part of God's discipline. Right? Now, what level of DEF CON uh, is that <laughs> discipline when he brings conviction on you? Not very much. Okay, if he's just bringing conviction on you, then it's probably not heavy discipline. How else can God bring discipline on us? Hmm. Mike. I mean, sorry. Ariel. <laughs> uh, let us tell held accountable by. Uh, your, your hands were so close there, so sorry. Go ahead. Accountability by a brother or sister. Okay. So along comes a brother or sister, and they call you out on something. That's another type of discipline reproof that comes from God.
1: Or okay.
0: your wife might call you out. Yeah, and your bestest friend in the whole world, your spouse, could be that sandpaper of discipline <laughs> that is rounding off your sinful corners yeah. uh, on that. Yeah. Wow. Thanks, Mike. Oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah, I like that. Was it, was it, with Bianca here, it just takes. Yeah, it just takes it off of Didi. and like so. Uh, but you know, I was very much sinful edges, you know. But God used Didi a lot on me you, know, you think I'm still pretty sinful. but I you know, was a lot more. Okay, so through conviction of the Holy Spirit, through bringing other brothers and sisters in Christ along, how else do we get discipline, reproof from
1: God? It's a word.
0: Okay. We can read his word, and we can see it in black and white and red. Typically, that will also involve the Holy Spirit bringing that out to us. All right? So, Holy Spirit conviction, other people, reading his word.
1: Your own conscience.
0: Okay. So, how does our conscience play into this? Well, what is our conscience?
1: So, uh, I mean, people will do uh, sin, 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 they don't even realize it, but, you know, I believe once you've been saved uh you know the grace of god the holy spirit uh then you're more aware and you catch yourself and you're kind of like self-correct okay so. all right is is the the in-tuneness of our conscience yeah directly correlated to our
0: walk with the lord yeah generally speaking what do you think i yeah. think so yes Okay. So we, let's go back then to the middle question there. So then, what is our conscience? It's the, whole, it's, it's the Holy Spirit Okay. Somebody what else want to add in? don't
2: have the Holy Spirit. What's that? If it's the Holy Spirit talking to us and convicting us of sin, what about people that don't have the
0: Holy Spirit? They, yeah. Okay. They, so, they can so, sleep at uh, night when they do bad. Okay, so, <laughs> so is consciousness something that we're created with... Right. From the beginning, or is consciousness something that we only have through the Holy Spirit? Levi. Oh, Nikki. Sorry. Well, I, I'm, it's, it's, my uh, eyes must be getting crossed here. I'm like seeing, seeing hands go up from different people. Go, Nikki. Okay. <laughs> uh, so he,
2: the Bible says that God writes His His um, law on our hearts, and that's from like birth. So like people who aren't saved can see and should be able to feel
1: the, like, the
2: like certain righteousness, right? Like, most people are born with murder is wrong. It is wrong to kill another person without being saved. And that is, and so if that's what's written on our hearts from, like, uh, from creation, then it's further refined with the Holy Spirit. Yeah,
0: so, so there's a, a rightness that is within us. But now, because of the fall, because of sin, and because of lack of following the Holy Spirit, it can get marred and marred and marred, all right? and, and you don't even realize that it's there. But yet, the more you are tuned to the Holy Spirit, then as Christians, then that's where Henry is pointing to it, that that within us is us understanding that and that coming back out. Good, all right. How else can we be disciplined from God? Receive discipline. Like trials.
2: go Like
1: like trial. Like when you want to get, you are really getting discipline. Like yes. Some deep trials that. Yeah. That's when you really need to pay attention to that
0: verse. You know. So, so one of the one of the things that I always look at is when the disciples and Jesus are walking along, and they see that there's this younger guy that is blind. All right, and, and he was born blind. What do the disciples ask? Yeah, Yeah. who sinned? What was the first option? Him 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 or his parents. parents. Okay, so clearly the understanding was if you were blind, that was potentially caused because you were in sin or somebody around you was in sin, and so it was the discipline of God. What was Jesus' answer? Neither. What was the reason then? So that God would be glorified in that. But to me, that shows me that there are three options and typically my phrasing is why do bad things happen to good people? Well, first off, we do have to recognize nobody's good in and of themselves. But yet when you're having that conversation with people out there in the world, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, sometimes it's because It is punishment, and it's something coming on you brought on. Sometimes God wants to use you in the life of others, and so somebody else is in sin, and so God wants to use you to help them see that and get out of that. And then sometimes it's just because we're in a fallen, broken world, and God wants to use that situation for his glory. And so it's not a punishment. It's not a discipline in any way. It's just we live in a fallen, broken world. Uh, but yet, if we stay faithful, God can use that, that and bring us out of that and, and, and to His glory. You know. So let's just say cancer. All right. So, do sometimes maybe does sometimes God maybe allow some people to get cancer because they're being disobedient and not paying attention and going along? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would I ever attempt to articulate that and point that out to somebody?
1: No. No. All right. <laughs> Most
0: of the time people get cancer because we live in a fallen, broken world where our bodies are deteriorating, our cells are you know, uh, mutating, and it just happens from that standpoint. I saw
1: a hand somewhere over in here. Brian. Uh, I was thinking, well, the way I kind of see this too is that life circumstances in a fallen world, when we are far from God or, or not including God, we're removing... The protective barrier. Mm-hmm. So it's not that God. I mean, we don't know this, but the way it, it's not that God's just coming down and, and raining wrath on us, but we're removing the force, the force shield. You know, we're removing that protective barrier that the Lord is hedging between us and you know the world. And by our, you know, our choosing to not include Him, and now we're subject to it because now we don't have those defenses.
2: Sometimes, also, uh, God allows us to be sick, or, you know, mm-hmm. where uh, we have been uh, black in Bible study and, mm-hmm. and prayer and whatnot. And He uses those mighty times to draw Him hear to us.
0: gives us opportunity for Him. Right.
2: Yeah, Jen? Yeah. Uh, I think
1: I, I, when I think of good versus evil, I always think of Job.
2: Um, uh,
0: who? Job.
2: Job. Job, gotcha. So, uh, in the end, I think Job, the book of Job, if you summarize it, no matter what happens, you know, God might be testing you, God might not be testing you, he just might be allowing it, but we could still have trust in him yeah. the way he does things, even oh. though he causes me suffering. Yep. Mate.
3: No, I but I, I do think that when we when we're not walking in obedience to God, there is conviction, and then sometimes there is the you know there is reaping and you know, there is sowing and reaping, and right and so when we sow disobedience right then we're going to reap right what what comes with that. So we will know when God is chastening us right because He will make that evident to us. Um, maybe not to everyone, but to us personally right there will be those convictions and that feeling of like I know that I disobeyed God and as a result of that this is what has happened and then there's a lesson to be learned from that right so that you don't repeat that again hopefully you grow from it so we, we do know but you're right I, I wouldn't necessarily you know tell somebody else that's the case
0: yeah but,
2: uh Kind of to strengthen what he just said hebrews 10 26 said for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth right. there is no longer remaining a sacrifice for sin and when you look at genesis even though it was eve who ate the apple, it was or proof it was uh adam who was given the instruction so sin came through the world through adam so the difference between being punished and all the other stuff you know exactly what you did and it's not like well, as it's happening. So you're right, it's a conviction. You know what you did and there's a purposeful instruction happening.
0: So how should we approach godly discipline? How do we need to think about it, look at it within our own lives? Sure, yeah. With going back to that Hebrews uh, where it says
2: there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin uh, there, there should be A little bit of fear, (coughs) uh, but also uh, um, uh, appreciation that you are still being uh, uh, given the proof. Because if you're not getting it and you're just enjoying your simple life, there's a problem there. Mm -hmm. I
1: think that we have to look at it as um, God set it up. With the Ten Commandments, it wasn't so much that... He knew that we, He had sent Christ because we couldn't keep them, but He also made them because He loves us so much, and He knows what's best for us. So He wants us to t- still try and follow them, but He knows we can't keep them perfectly. But and He He instituted um, since the fall, since everything happened, from the beginning of time, He there's always a consequence for every action. But in those actions, he still loves us, and he wants what's best for us. Does that make sense where I'm going with it? Yeah. So he... What, <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep going in a circle. Yeah. He so, loves so, us.
0: So, so let's go with that one right yeah. here. Right. Let's go with discipline comes out of love. Right. right. That's what I'm getting at. Because what does God desire in us? Obedience. Growth. Obedience, growth.
1: Right.
0: No. So he wants us to have success Within righteousness success, Christ like success. And so when he disciplines us, it's to do a shift, you know, a course correction to be able to get us back into righteousness. And then that's how I compare or, or kind of see what Brian was talking about. <clears throat> when we're walking the righteous path, we're still going to get hit with just fallen debris from a broken, sinful world. But we're not getting hit with stuff. We're bringing on ourselves, you know.
3: Within that, Nate? so okay. So, <clears throat> the, the, when I think about this, I've thought about this before. The fact that that I'm being I'm being disciplined by the Lord, right? It should should bring about great rejoicing, and mm-hmm. because He's not allowing me to continue on in my sin, which then leads to a disastrous end, mm-hmm. right? So He's correcting my path. But for those whom He He doesn't. Love, you know, you, you know. Then he just allows them to keep going. Now they think that's okay, but what they don't realize is that the end is really horrible. Uh, that that sin leads to something that, you know, that leads to death. So okay. the last
0: five minutes, let's bring it to the last part here. All right, where it talks about as the Father and the Son in whom He delights. So now we bring it into what realm? What's the comparison realm that Solomon brings this into? What Emily? Yeah, the human relationship, and more specifically within parents. And so, you know, he's painting the picture here that God brings discipline because He loves us, just like parents should be bringing discipline on their children out of love for them. So, not everybody's parents in the room, and some are parents of older, and some are parents of younger. But let's just. Take the next four minutes now. So, what does that look like then? That, as parents, godly parents, we discipline our children out of love. it Well, I can't
1: speak as a parent yet because I'm not really punishing that one. But <laughs> That's I guess, good. I guess, I guess there's. To me, there my parents. I can look at it from the relationship yes. I have with my parents. My dad did a good job of just dis- explaining the difference between discipline and punishment. you okay? right. Or, so dif- or differentiating the idea. So discipline is, like we said, out of love. And it's to reach a goal. It's to bring up to a standard or teach right from wrong. There's a point to discipline. Punishment almost seems reactionary. And it's difficult, I can even kind of speak as a teacher, but students try not to be reactionary, but to be goal-based, to say, mm-hmm. OK, they're on the standard this discipline, taking this privilege, or giving this responsibility will help that, but punishment is, it, it feels very in the moment, I know that's wrong, I'm knee-jerking, and I do something that seems almost nihilistic in its decision, there's no real point, the kid is going to wonder what what's the point of why am I doing this? So okay, alright, somebody else. A, a, a
0: As godly parents, how do we bring this in?
1: so I, I remember Sean told me that his dad used to say this will hurt me more than it'll hurt you <laughs> <laughs> so like when you're disciplined you just we need to remember that God doesn't enjoy discipl- like you know disciplining us but he finds it necessary because he's just and he is righteous so in order to bring us into the fold again if we're straying then he keeps us in there when he disciplines. Us. So we, as a family, have been dealing with sickness a lot lately, um, especially with Isaiah being in preschool, four-year-old, um, and with that sick kids, uh, you know, or toddlers um, comes sinful behavior when they're sick. Um, so in those moments when discipline is needed for me, one lesson that Lord's been teaching me is that I'm, I'm not upset with Isaiah himself. I'm upset with you know what he's doing, um, and it's being caused by a sickness. And kind of the, the parallel, uh, not always by the sickness, but a parallel, we're riddled with, with sin. When, when the Lord disciplines us as children, he's, he's angry over the grievous disease with which we're afflicted, not necessarily us. So he's doing, um, he, he's disciplining and chastising in order to bring us back to him, in order to, to separate us from this sickness that separates us from him um, and then turn us back.
2: Uh, sometimes when uh, in that relationship, it gives me the fear of the Lord, in that sometimes you tell your kids, to do something or, or you know, you do the whole process, whatever the discipline process is, and they're just not getting it. It's like, do it? And then I stop and I think, I'm the same way. Where there will be a point where God is done and he says, you shall now see my justice and my wrath. Uh, and that's in hell. And by the grace of God, I'm not in hell. So maybe I need to take a second. Yeah, they don't get it, but neither do I. And like there's a parable uh, of the debt, where God forgive, forgive, forgive. You know, the king forgave his servant, and then the servant went for something much less and put the guy in debtor's prison. So well, I have to always consider, I have a responsibility to my kids, but also how I treat them. It could come back on me for my heavenly
0: father. So a statement that you've heard from me before is, as you're listening to the stories of the people that are around you. Try to figure out how to connect their story with God's story through your story. To me, that's the best way to have gospel conversations, have evangelistic conversations, versus you just preaching at them with a rote, memorized scripture, and this is what they have to know. The better they can see the story of God, which in the story of God is Jesus' death, burial, resurrection the better they can see that lived out through our lives the better they're going to understand it. this has been a very good point for me to engage people in gospel conversations is talking about when people get frustrated with their kids just like Layton was talking about and you're around a parent and they're talking to you about man I'm just so frustrated with my kids they're not paying attention they're not listening to me and it frustrates me And that gives me a great opportunity to say, I was the same way. But the more I looked at how God disciplined Adam and Eve, they got consequences, but he still came alongside them to help them move forward and be successful. It helped me to be a more godly dad to Matthew and Kinsey. I still would discipline them, and they would have consequences. But yet, I needed to come alongside them in those consequences To help them be successful. And so that's a way that I was able to have a gospel conversation. Now, I did not talk about Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, but I talked to them about the whole story of God and showed them where their life right now connects right to God. And so that's just a point, you know. And there are many other handholds of life that we can do that with, where we can listen to what's going on in their life and then we're like, yeah, I've been through something like that. And we can connect to God and how we came through it or didn't come through it. Uh, you know, we did not listen to the chastising and, you know, it got worse. You know, type of like, know that one. All right, great. Let me close this up. Father, I thank you so much for uh, just your word that we can dig into it. And then we can talk through it as a family and be able to glean from each other. Father, keep giving each of us insights that we can share uh, with each other that come from your word
1: and our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.